0: This is Folklife Field Notes, a podcast from WMRA and the Virginia Folklife Program at Virginia Humanities, exploring living traditions in Virginia through sound recorded by the Folklife Program. I'm Chris Boros from WMRA. I'm here with Pat Jarrett from Folklife. Pat, always great to see you. What is happening today?
1: Great to see you too, Chris. Well, today I wanted to share a recording that I made close to home at Allen Chapel in Stanton. Recently, I was invited to photograph the jazz worship at Allen Chapel. Reverend Dr. Edward Scott is the preacher there. He is one of the most electrifying preachers I have ever heard in my life. And I'm not necessarily a religious man, but I can appreciate a good orator. (laughs) Well, Dr. Scott, who is a professor at Mary Baldwin College and sits on the board of Virginia Humanities, is a huge fan of jazz specifically John Coltrane.
2: My love and and appreciation for jazz music is father inspired. (laughs) My father was a jazz enthusiast and he grew up around musicians. He knew Earl Garner's family. He knew Dakota Staten's family. Whenever I asked him about these folks, he said, oh, yeah, I remember Earl Earl used to play even this little boy, right? And then he would remember Dakota Staten, oh, you should have heard the other folks in her family. My mother actually graduated from Westinghouse High School with a man named Fritz Jones. Fritz Jones is Alma Jamal the famous piano player, right? He and my mother graduated from high school, from the same high school in the same year. In fact, I was playing an Ahmad Jamal recording one day and my mother came in, she said, who's that? I said, that's Ahmad Jamal. She said, oh, I know him. He and I went to school together and I was convinced she was mistaken. I said, mom, no, now you didn't go to school with Ahmad Jamal, sure I did. She says, his name was Fritz Jones and she pulled out her yearbook and there was Jamal. And, and the caption underneath his photograph that likes to play the piano.
1: <laughs> and he took that love and really, <laughs> he really made something beautiful out of it.
2: sound. <laughs> Praise him with the lute and harp.
1: He did a sermon called The Love Supreme. I
2: had learned of John Coltrane before I went off to college, and in my enthusiasm for the jazz music my father had bequeathed me. I had attempted to deepen my understanding of its recondite practices, its rituals and sacraments of chords and scales and keys, and somehow I had learned that Coltrane had a singular devotion to this electrifying music, its many twists and turns of phrase, and its leaping, loping rhythms. I had read that he had been so consumed with practice for the sake of mastering the tenor saxophone that according to one story he might fall asleep with the horn in his mouth. Another tale either fanciful or true, I know not which, insisted that he would often cause his lips to bleed because he played so often and would not stop, which only proved for me that he invested in his art in the only way that truly mattered. He had skin in the game. I had heard his recording of Lush Life by Billy Strayhorn and I had been enraptured by the bleeding of his heart in every note he played.
1: And it was a packed house and there were some luminaries in the audience. Poet Nikki Giovanni was in the crowd. That was a rock star moment. We're all there to see a six-piece jazz combo back up Reverend Scott during his sermon that Sunday morning. It was wonderful. Dr. Scott was really making the connection between the secular and the sacred and how just because a music is secular does that not mean that it's connecting with you spiritually and what does that even mean it was beautiful in
2: 1979 I went off to Calabar, Nigeria for two years to teach at the University of Calabar and I was inspired by everything I saw in Igbo, in Ibibio in Yoruba culture while I was there And what I noticed most particularly was that there was no separation for them between what was considered profane and what was considered sacred. They were bound together for most of what they did. I mean, there was this, this linkage that if you try to tear it apart, you ended up with practically nothing at all. So the idea that everything was sacred for them, even things that we considered most profane, that even that was sacred or had a sacred impulse in it. That came back with me, that survived in me, the experience that I had while I was there. And, And there were so many other things that survived in that experience, but that was the one thing I treasured probably more than anything else. so when I came back, even though I had been ordained as an AME pastor just before I left to go to Nigeria, I was determined to make this notion of the interpenetration of the sacred and the profane come alive in my church services. For every one of you, let me say how often I've been in the club to hear this music. And every time I went, I was in church. Whoa. I make no apologies at all for it. I glory in it instead. This is the heartbeat of my people. It is the heartbeat and the soul of America. So yeah, we yeah, for sure, We're gone. <laughs> The more I learned about the jazz musician, because I was, I became a very enthusiastic listener. And when I got to college, I really just <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but I, I became a kind of champion, right, for jazz music. I drove my roommates crazy, right? I just drove all of them nuts. And they said, Who is this John Coltrane? Right? They they're sitting around listening to Booker T and the MGs, and I'm playing John Coltrane. <laughs> You want to hear a real tenor saxophone player? Here you go.
1: It was put to the chord progression of John Coltrane's famous A Love Supreme. Wow. It was wonderful.
2: The language of love is music, I say. And there can be no authentic worship without it. Not one. Never, never, never. God is worthy of our praise, I say. God first loved you. God first loved me. And he loved us with an all daring, all risking, all venturing, all giving love that brought the cosmos into being. What manner of love is this, you ask? Did you not listen from the beginning to the gentleman from Hamlet, North Carolina? Mm -hmm. A jazz musician beyond compare, sing it for you then, and for God, a song made immortal through a mortal man's art, bent to serve a mortal man's faith. Mm -hmm. A love supreme, Mm -hmm. a love supreme, Mm -hmm. a love supreme, Mm -hmm. a love supreme. Mm I can imagine a service where I would play nothing but jazz in the service, and at the time, I had Thelonious Monk on my mind, and there are various pieces by Monk that I thought could carry a whole service. Crepuscule with Nelly, I said, would be a perfect thing to play for prayer, right? I mean, just perfect for prayer. Straight No Chaser. (laughs) would be good as a benediction. (laughs) Would just be great as a benediction, right? And I was half joking, but I was half serious. And next thing I knew, We were planning the service and laying it out. A kind of jazz liturgy, right? (laughs) And the more we worked on it, the more alive it seemed to me to be. And I just thought, oh, this is going to work.
1: I think the argument that he was making about how you can find spirituality in the secular is something that I can identify with in what I come across in the folk life program. And I was honored to be in the audience that day.
2: Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Hallowed be Thy name. On the earth as it is in the heavens. Hallowed be thy name. And give us this day our daily bread. Hallowed be thy name. And forgive us all our trespasses. Hallowed be thy name. So the first one we did, I'll never forget. I wanted them to open with Joy Spring by Clifford Brown. Use it as an invocation. And they played Joy Spring by Clifford Brown. I sat up there in that pulpit and wept. And I said, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it through the service. I'm crying on the intro it, right? <laughs> it, it was so well done. It was so beautiful. And so the rest of the service just seemed to float on air. I mean, it was just so I was transported. And the place was packed because we had advertised it. People heard of it by word of mouth. My friends in other churches decided they were going to play hooky from their own churches that day. They wanted to hear how this jazz service was going to work, right? And the place was packed and the people relished it all, every single second of it. It was a smashing success. People say, I've been listening to this music all my life, and I never heard this connection to the sacred in it. And what they don't understand is that many of the jazz musicians, including Monk, started out in the church. They remembered their church experience, and the church experience is not very far removed from them. However commercial the music seems to be, however secular or profane it might seem, however gut bucket it might seem, I would make the argument the more gut bucket, the more sacred.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I almost wonder if what he does on stage Kind of reflects the improvisation of jazz. I mean, he's probably improving a little bit up there, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not sure how much he was improving, but he was playing a hell of a solo.
2: <laughs> I am not saying, as some half said, that Coltrane was some kind of mystical jazz messiah, a resurrected Jesus signaling for the downbeat before he whirls the sanctuary away on chorus after chorus of giant steps. Oh. But there is something of the obsession with salvation in Coltrane. And so when I took off for college in 1967, I took two records. And I carried with me as though it were the Ark of the Covenant, John Coltrane's seminal and terrifyingly challenging impulse recording he himself named a love supreme. What I've long since come to know about me and my ever evolving understanding of that record is that I just did not get it at 17, because I was just too young. But I wanted to get it, so I listened to it over and over and over again to grasp the various modalities of worship Coltrane was emulating his sense of prayer, his sense of the acknowledgement of the invisible reality of the sacred everywhere. The psalm of praise and thanksgiving, with which the album closes, a jazz doxology. Oh, the music inspires the sermon. I love knowing what the scripture ought to be from which I should preach on any given Sunday in the Christian year. I just love the unfolding of the Christian year. I love the way it moves. I love the lectionary. I love the passages that are provided for preachers to preach from. But when I do the jazz service, <laughs> I go on holiday from the lectionary. <laughs> I go on holiday and, and decide particularly based upon the, the tunes that we decide we want the musicians to perform, I try to think of what would be appropriate for what they are performing. In other words, the music itself becomes my lectionary. Every jazz musician will say to you that if you play a popular song from the Great American Songbook, you must know the words because you're telling that story, you know, for that song. So those songs become a kind of script for me. Now, Love Supreme is different, of course. That's a composition by John Coltrane with a very definite intention, right? I mean, he's very specifically composing jazz music to worship the holy, the sacred the eternal. I mean he is clearly trying to articulate musically what it would mean to have a relationship with this ultimate source of being. And so that's a wholly original composition by him. And I knew I wanted to do Love Supreme. I just knew I want to do a sermon based upon a Love Supreme by John Coltrane.
0: I wonder how special this was for the musicians. I mean, they're probably not used to playing in uh, a chapel, you know, at a church.
1: You know, Robert, I know, goes to the church. And he's done this before, and so he knows it works. I think that Dr. Scott gets something out of it different every time. Yeah. I think that he and Robert curate the music for maximum impact.
2: This was an album that was produced by and recorded by John Coltrane and his quartet, his very famous quartet, and it covered both sides, right? So it was a suite, and and the whole suite was to be performed together. You could not just play one... Section of that song and then be done. I mean, this was not a, a series of tunes. This is a suite, and these pieces are connected. They're interconnected. So, one part of it is called Psalm. Another part of it is called Acknowledgement. Another part of it is called Resolution. Another part of it is called Psalm, right? I mean, you know, it's it, so, so he structures it, the composition, as though it was to be performed in a worship service. John Coltrane is very intentional about it. So he intends for anybody who listens to it to hear the sacredness of it. The longer John Coltrane after Love Supreme, the longer he worked as a jazz musician, the more obsessed he became with the notion of the sacred everywhere. And so album after album, Dear Lord, from the Transition album. Another album entitled Meditation, right? Another one entitled Selflessness, right? (laughs) And here's another one, even more than selflessness. This one is even more, more. For jazz aficionados, they'll appreciate this. Ascension.
0: had mentioned that you're maybe not a huge religious man I'm wondering when this was over did you have a moment of hmm maybe I should be you know
1: Dr. Scott's message really resonated with me Yeah, that what I took away from it was that spirituality and religion can be found anywhere in this world if you're looking with the right lens
2: Traveled, and the song of jubilant praise filled the air until all Israel was gathered up into the stirring sky-soaring song of love, the love for God.
0: So this took place at Allen Chapel in Stanton. What can you tell me about the church? Well,
2: I
1: asked Dr. Scott about that actually.
2: Allen Chapel was established here in the city of Stanton right after the Civil War, 1865. It is the oldest church founded by people of color west of the Blue Ridge Mountains. It is the oldest church founded by people of color in this town. It's a venerable congregation and traditionally small, but somehow steadfast, I mean resilient. After many, many years, I mean the church is really quite healthy, and we are seeing a diversity of attendees. It's an historically black church, but it's an historically black church that has a particular appeal for certain people who are not black, and I'm saying people who are white, people who are from other parts of the world. It's become a very attractive place for for other people, And, and our membership is growing through that particular kind of diversity, right? So we're very happy about what we see happening. I mean, we're surprised by it, but at the same time, we're more than pleased to see it too, because we're convinced that this is God's intention.
1: So I think regardless of your belief or non-belief, you can have religious experiences if you're open to them.
2: Look at the people who come to the jazz service. Here's a Jim Harrington, who is himself a musician, but a former colleague of mine at Mary Baldwin University, who eventually was elected to the school board, who later became elected a member of city council. He's in attendance at the jazz service. Look at who sits beside him, Doug Gwynn. Doug Gwynn, who used to be the city attorney and is now still the attorney for the school board. Look at the others. Shelby Owen, who is the pastor of Emmanuel Episcopal Church. Members of Covenant Presbyterian Church decided to play hooky from their church and come. These are friends of ours from other churches in this community, historically white churches. But there are other folks from all these other communities who come to that jazz service. And we don't make them come. They come because they want to. And they're looking for something. And I mean, they're looking to see. How does this jazz work in this worship service? But they're also looking for community in a different way in which community can be expressed and manifested across racial lines, across historical lines, across political and class lines. And the jazz service throws them all together. I love supreme. Yeah.